بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقهوا قولي قال النبي صلى الله تبارك وتعالى عليه وسلم من اعطى لله ومنع لله واحب لله وابغض لله فقد استكمل ايمانه my dear respected brothers and elders, respected sisters and youngsters in Islam, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. In this hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu narrated by Tirmidhi, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa has mentioned four signs of complete iman. This is a very beautiful hadith for us because Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa has indicated for us that if we develop these four attributes then not only will we have iman and belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but per the words of Rasulullah sallallahu that person will have complete and perfect iman you will have kamil you'll become a kamil mu'min true believer perfect believer in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and our success in this life in the life hereafter and our najat and our salvation lies in having iman and amal salihah so how can we develop these four attributes Four qualities of complete iman. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Man Number one is the one who gives anything he gives and anything he spends on anyone or any occasion that he is engaged in any activity in which he is giving something. Then his actions of giving are lillah for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whenever he makes a payment to anyone, whenever he gives anything to anyone, then it's only for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. His i'ta, his giving is for the sake of Allah. And number two, وَمَنَعَ لِلَّهِ And he withholds, and he prevents, and he stops, and he stays back. is also lillah, for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And number three, لِلَّهِ If he loves anyone, or he loves anything, it is only and solely for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَأَبْغَضَ لِلَّهِ And number four is, if he hates anyone or anything, then this hatred is also lillah for the sake of Allah and Allah alone. This person who has the four qualities mentioned above, Rasulullah has said, Then he has completed his iman, he is kamil and a complete, true, and perfect believer in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the overall feeling we get from this hadith is that the action of the believer. Is such that all of his actions are Lillahi subhanahu wa ta'ala for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala instructs us in the Quran uh, to say and to believe and to affirm and to attest. Qul, say, Inna salati, verily my salah, wa nusuki, and my ibadat, whether they pertain to hajj, the manasik of hajj, or other ibadat, badaniya, physical forms of worship. Wa mahiyaya wa mamati. In fact, even my living and my dying. All of these actions, Lillahi Rabbil Alameen. They all belong to Allah and Allah alone. They are for Allah and Allah alone. They are for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Lillahi Rabbil Alameen, who is the Lord of the worlds. Meaning this level of dedication is, is not only my responsibility, but also the entire alam should also submit to Allah in such a manner. Lillahi Rabbil Alameen. Then Allah Ta'ala says, La sharika lah. He has no partner. There's no one else. 
There is no one else that I dedicate my life to, my dying to, my ibadah to. And this is what I have been commanded to do. This is the order of Allah. This statement here, this is what I have been commanded, indicates that this is not some higher level or optional level, voluntary level, you know, extra credit. But rather, this is, we are ma'mur, we are commanded to dedicate our life at this extent. We are ma'mur, we are commanded. Allah is our amir, commander, we are ma'mur. Umirtu, I have been commanded. And we should say we are first to submit. One awal muslimin. When Allah Ta'ala spoke to Ibrahim alayhi salam, Allah Ta'ala says, إِذْ قَالَ لَهُ رَبُّهُ أَسْلِمْ Remember when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala addressed Ibrahim alayhi salam and asked him, Submit. So he could have responded back and said, Aslam tulak, I submit to you. But this is known as iltifat in balagha where he changes the, he goes from the second person, he changed to the third person. What he did is instead of saying, When Allah said to him, Submit, he said, I submit to you. He said, No, Aslam tuli rabbil alameen. I submit to the Lord of the worlds. This is indicating that if I'm submitting, I'm submitting because he is my Rabb. But Allah is not only Rabb of Ibrahim. Allah is the Rabb of the Alameen. And the definition of Alam is Kullu ma Allah. Everything in existence besides Allah is termed as the Alam. So if I'm submitting to Allah because he is my Rabb, then I'm submitting not to Rabb Ibrahim only, I'm submitting to Rabbul Alameen, the Lord of the worlds. So everyone else in the world must also submit, should also submit to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whether they are submitting, then they are true Muslim. If they are not submitting, they are denying, then they are kafir. He is the one who created you. Some of you are submitting, some of you are not submitting. There are two paths, those who are grateful to Allah, those who are ungrateful to Allah. But the responsibility is upon all to submit to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why Allah Ta'ala says, وَمَنْ يَرَوَ عَنْ مِلَّةِ إِبْرَاهِيمَ إِلَّا مَنْ سَفِهَا نَفْسَ Who else, who could be there who would turn away from the way of Ibrahim alayhi salam of how he submitted to Allah except for the one سَفِهَا نَفْسَ Who is fool, who is a great fool, who is سَفِيه, who is full of foolishness. It is a path of foolishness not to submit to Allah when He is Lord of the worlds. So this is the sign of Iman. That all the actions... To give is for the sake of Allah, mana'a to prevent is for the sake of Allah, and hub and love for the sake of Allah, and bogh and hatred is for the sake of Allah. All of these actions, this basically means every single action of a true Muslim is revolving around Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is what the scholars they say that the first hadith mentioned in Sahih Bukhari and the first hadith in and Imam Nawawi mentioned Rad Salihin and Arba'in and many, many, many books of hadith. They begin with this hadith. All the actions are based upon intentions. Every person will receive that which they intended. Whoever migrated for the sake of Allah and the Rasul, then his migration will be accepted as truly for Allah and the Rasul. And whoever migrates for worldly reasons, 
for financial reasons or to get married to a woman, then in hijrah will be counted for that alone and he will not receive the reward of the hijrah. So there are so many different discussions regarding this hadith and pages and pages have been written. Whether the niyyah is a condition in ibadat or not and the fiqhi rulings regarding that, all of those discussions actually are not the primary objective of the hadith. The primary objective of the hadith is Every person will receive that reward or that punishment based upon their intention. So when we are doing acts of worship, there is an intention. There are various different types of intentions. There is an intention that is there that which separates something which is done habitually versus a form of ibadah that which differentiates them is niyyah when the person is just standing and he might be folding his arms because he's in a more relaxed position and if he's standing in line it just so happens he's facing northeast direction so he's just standing in a line waiting for the train or the bus Versus the person is standing in salah in, 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 in ibadah. What's the difference between the two standing positions? The one who is standing behind the imam is not even reciting. He's just standing. You're just standing and the imam is reciting. And one is standing in the line. What is the difference between the two? This is one type of niyyah. The difference is That which separates something which is adatan done, habitually done versus a form of ibadah. So the difference is the niyyah. The one standing in the saf, his niyyah is I am performing salah. I am performing two rakah jumah salah behind the imam. I am facing the qibla and I am praying the salah here. He has the niyyah of, of fulfilling this uh, rukun, uh, this pillar of the deen, this faridah, this obligation. So he has the niyyah. The other one standing in the line doesn't have the niyyah. That's the difference. Otherwise, physically, they might be the same. And then a person is performing two, you know, a person is performing two rakah, another person is performing two rakah. One is performing farad of Jummah, one is performing nafal, one is performing fajr, one is performing qada, one is performing ada. A person is performing four rakah. Is it lower, is it asr, is it, or is it isha? What's the difference? So this is number two. To separate one type of ibadah from another type of ibadah. May Allah forbid if a person is traveling and he couldn't perform salah and he missed a lot of salats. And... Um, Staying at home in a residence, it's unthinkable and fathomable. How could a Muslim leave a salah? It's impossible to believe that. So that is why I'm saying a person was traveling and was unable to, due to the FA, Federal Aviation Regulations, he couldn't, no crowding in the cockpit allowed. Or, so that's why he was not allowed to. And he prayed sitting down, but he will repeat his salah when he lands on the ground. So he has to pray his asr, dhuhr and asr, maghrib and isha. So when he's praying four rakah, which one is dhuhr, which one is asr? Which one is Maghrib? Which one, not Maghrib is different, it's three rakah. Which one is Aisha? So the difference will be in the niyyah. The niyyah will determine this one is Dhuhr, this one is Asr, this one is Aisha. Only through the niyyah you can determine the difference. He's performing it silently anyway, all of them. So there's no difference in one, in Asr being silent and Aisha being loud. That is not a differentiating factor remaining as well. The only difference will be the niyyah. And the, la- and the third type of um, a difference of niyyah is ikhlasi wa riyah that which differentiates between ikhlas performing salah for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
or performing salah to show other people. Man yurai faqad ashraka. The one who performs salah to show other people has committed a minor form of shirk. Ana shirk. I am the freest of all those partners from any having any partner. I do not have any partner. Allah Taala says, if you perform salah for anyone else's pleasure, for anyone else's happiness, then I will not give any reward for that. The only command you have from Allah is to worship Him with, uh, with ultimate sincerity. So he has the first intention between Ada and Ibadah. He says, no, I'm not standing habitually. I'm standing for Ibadah. Second is between one Ibadah and another Ibadah. Is it Dhuhr, Asr or Isha? He has a niyyah of Dhuhr. Third is between Riyah and Ikhlas. Is he, is he performing the Ibadah of, of Dhuhr to please someone else, to show someone else, or to please Allah Azza wa Jal? If he's at a party and everyone, they announce, okay, now we'll have uh, the Isha prayer in the outside hall. So everyone is getting up now. If he's, he doesn't feel like praying, nobody ever pray by himself. But since everyone else is going, getting up to pray, he has to pray through peer pressure. So why is he praying? To show others, na'udhu billah. So this would be fall under riya. These are all different types of niyat, of intentions. Niyat, normally when we speak about niyat, we, we jump to the last one. We think, oh, niyat means to do it sincerely for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There are other levels of niyat and intention that come before that as well. So, the, so this is with respect to ibadah. But this hadith of Rasulullah everyone will receive the reward of that which they intended is not limited to ibadah. Ibadah by default have to be done with ikhlas, with sincerity, only for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But what we learned from the hadith that we began the discussion with man a'ta lillah wa mana'a lillah wa habba lillah wa abghada lillah whenever you give you give for the sake of Allah whenever you withhold you withhold for the sake of Allah whenever you love you love for the sake of Allah whenever you hate you hate for the sake of Allah what it tells us is that every single action in fact of a believer is supposed to be for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not only the formal acts of worship but every single mundane worldly activity as well has to be for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala This is what it means to be a true believer. This is what it means to be a true believer. Every single action is for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And our mashayikh and teachers, when they taught us this hadith, they told us that there is so, there is such a great potential for reward, so much potential for reward that the entire ummah is wasting away and losing out that reward just because they are not making the correct intention. Just because they are not making the correct intention. Every single mundane worldly activity can become rewarding in the court of Allah and will become a means of uh, making your scale of good deeds heavy on the day of judgment if you just make the correct intention. Sleeping is a big portion of our lives. If we, you know, if we sleep eight hours a day, that's one third of our life since we became baligh. And before that, when you were born, you were sleeping 18 hours a day maybe. Or 20 hours. But even after we become baligh, on average if you sleep more earlier and we slept late, less later on in life, but on average if you sleep 8 hours, that's one third of our life. Imagine if we say, worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, can you worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala one third of your life? Can you make ibadah for one third of our life? We would say that we have obligations to our family, our children, we have obligations to our community, parents, and we have 
other necessities of life and beyond that we have relaxation and entertainment to keep fresh. How can we do ibadah for eight hours straight? If we're able to do that on Laylatul Qadr, then we th- you know, that's a great achievement. But every single night, eight hours? Can we worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala eight hours continuously every single night? It seems like an impossible task, impossible feat. Maybe people in the past had barakah, it's impossible for us. But if we do something called changing our niyyah and our perspective, then automatically all of our sleep will be recorded as ibadah. It seems that it's so simple. And how could there be, how is it fair that you get so much reward for such a simple thing? It doesn't even cost anything. No physical exertion involved, no financial burden involved. There's no burden on the pocket nor on the body. This juhad, you know, mujahada, bi amwalikum and bi anfusikum. There's, there's two types of mujahada. Mutujahiduna fi sabirillahi bi amwalikum wa anfusikum. You spend your money in the path of Allah, you exert your body in the path of Allah. In salah, it's physical exertion. In salam, it's physical exertion. In zakah, it's financial exertion. Financial ibadah badaniya, ibadah maliya. In hajj, is murakkabun baynahuma. Hajj is a combination of both. Physical exertion in Mina, in Arafat, Muzdalifah, Tawaf, Sa'i, Rami, uh, uh, all of these things. And there's financial burden as well to spend on the ticket and spend on the on Hajj. But here is neither badani nor mali, neither financial nor physical. And one third of your life, just to be start with, can become fully ibadah. And that is point of perspective, your niyyah. Your intention. If your intention is that Rasulullah he went to the three Sahaba in the famous hadith. This is part of the hadith where one of them said that I will fast every single day of my life. And the other one said I will never get married. And the third one said I will stand up in ibadah every night, all night. Then Rasulullah came to the three Sahaba and said that I fast and I break my fast. Some days I fast, some days I don't fast. Uh, I stand in ibadah in the night and I sleep for some part of the night as well. And I do marry women. Your family has a right over you. Your physical body has a right over you. So... Rasulullah brought them into balance when they were going in extreme, in ghulu. Nabi preached a deen of moderation and balance, not a deen of extremism. We have made you an ummah of moderation. So Rasulullah in this hadith, he said, your body has a right over you. So if you are, while you, when you go to sleep, if you make the intention that I am sleeping because my body has a right over me. And this is the instruction of Rasulullah This is body is an amana from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for me. A trust that I have to take care of its rights. And I'm sleeping so I can become fresh. And I can become rested. And I will be recharged to further worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is an indirect form of ibadah. And I'm recharging myself so that I can become ready for direct form of ibadah. One is ibadah maqsuda, one is ibadah also is ghair maqsuda. One is an objective ibadah, is salah, qiyam, dua. That's an tilawa of Quran, is a direct objective form of ibadah, ibadah maqsuda, bizzat. And one is sleeping with the intention of refreshing for that ibadah. It's also ibadah, it's an indirect form of ibadah. So I'm doing this indirect form of ibadah so I can prepare for the direct form of ibadah. 
There's nothing that's not ibadah for the believer. You know, we say Islam is a complete way of life. It's a complete. So what does that mean? Everything is Islam. There's nothing outside the boundary of Islam for a true Muslim. Everything is Islam. He's sleeping. He's sleeping in Islam. So he has his intention, now he's entire sleeping. And of course, you know, beyond the intention physically as well, the mode of the sleeping should be in accordance with the sunnah of Rasulullah You move all over and when you're sleeping, it's fine. Allah doesn't take you to account beyond what your ability is. But when you start your sleep, sleep on your right hand side. Sleep facing the qibla. Do not keep your feet towards the qibla. Recite the du'as before you go to sleep. These are additional things. But at least if the intention is there, then one third of your life already is written in ibadah. So how much have we lost? You know, like the hadith of Abu Hurairah and Abdullah ibn Umar when he heard that the hadith that if you join the Salatul Janazah, you get one qirat, one mountain of thawab. And if you go till the grave, then you get another qirat, another mountain of thawab. So I, I said the hadith, nothing affecting me, so I don't expect it affecting you so much either. We hear one ear, it goes out the other ear. When Abdullah bin Umar heard it from Abu Huraira, he let out a shriek. He said, how many mountains of sawab I lost? I didn't know that. I used to participate in the janazah and go back to learning and teaching ilm. I didn't go to the, to the grave. So he, I lost out so much, he became so affected. So likewise, we lost out on one third of our life because we weren't making the correct intention. And if the objection comes, how can you get so much thawab for such an easy thing? It's supposed to be proportionate. The more sacrifice, the more reward. Yeah, try it. Then you will realize how difficult it is. Why is it difficult? Because you have to remember Allah at all times. Yeah. Don't be like those who forgot about Allah, so they forgot about their own destiny. We are in a perpetual state of heedlessness called permanent state of ghafla. That's how we are leading our lives. You have to have ma'arifah and have become an arif billah and recognize Allah, then you will remember Allah at all times. Before sleeping, before eating, remembering Allah that, oh, this is a command of Allah to eat. You come home from work, you're tired, you're hungry, and the food is there in front of you, and you just attack the food. Who has time to remember? Oh, Allah Ta'ala said in the Quran, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu, kulu min tayyibati ma razaqnaakum. Oh, those who believe, eat from the pure food that we have provided you. Kulu wa sharabu wa la Eat and drink and do not cross the limits. And Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, your body has a right over you. This is a ni'mah from Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. This is a blessing Allah has given me this halal, tayyib food. So I'm going to enjoy this food and I'm going to thank Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala for it. But if we have that level of perception, then there would be absolutely no level of disobedience of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. At least we have the objective in front of us. That should be the goal. Before sleeping, before eating, before buying, before selling, before loving anyone, before hating anyone. Every single action it is supposed to be for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Let us take this as a homework to begin this mental process. That whatever action we do, it's not only when you come for Jumu'ah. Oh, we came. Why we came for Jumu'ah here? For the sake of Allah. But when you go back to earn, why are we earning? That earning is also for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. فَإِذَا قُضِيَةِ الصَّلَاةُ When the Jumu'ah is over, فَانْتَشِرُوا فِي الْأَرْضِ Go spread out in the earth. وَابْتَغُوا مِن فَضْلِ اللَّهِ And go seek the bounty of Allah. So when you're earning, you have to have, and we must all have this intention that earning kasbul halali faridatun ba'd al faraid. The Prophet said, earning a halal livelihood is an obligation after the other obligations. After the other obligations. Not you continue to earn during the Jum'ah Salah. Allah Ta'ala said, when the adhan is called, hasten to the remembrance of Allah. Leave the transactions, leave that halal business. 
and earning for the family, all of that, leave that, come to salah. But after salah, go back and earn. So why are we earning? For the sake of Allah. Because it's an obligation in our deen. If we have this intention, it's not only takathur, wanting more and more and more, then that will bring you destruction. Until you reach your graves, you will be wanting more and more. Material rat race. So that is not what we, our objective is. Our objective is to fulfill the obligation of providing for our family. Once we have this current intention, then our entire outlook on life will be different. And then we will become a mu'min, mukhlis, muhsin, muttaqi at the highest level of ihsan. That's why Rasulullah when he was asked by Jibreel in the hadith Jibreel, mal ihsan, what is ihsan? He didn't say, an tusalli ka'annaka tarallah. That you perform salah as if you see Allah. That's how everyone translates it. But he didn't say tusalli. He said, an Allah ka'annaka tara. You do ibadah as if you see Allah. You notice, he didn't say you perform salah. If you check up most of the, many of the translations of this hadith, an Allah ka'annaka tara, fa illam takun tarahu fa innaw yarak. They say that, uh, you pray, for, you perform salah as if you, you see Allah, and if Allah cannot see you, then if you cannot see Allah, then you realize that Allah is seeing you. As if you see Allah, you perform salah as if you see Allah. If you cannot reach that level, then at least recognition Allah is watching you. But that's not what the Prophet ﷺ said. He said ibadah, and ibadah is much more comprehensive than salah. Salah is one of the forms of ibadah. It is the afdalul ibadah, the best form of ibadah, but it is not the only ibadah. Everything in the life of a mu'min is ibadah. So that means when doing business, he does business as if he sees Allah. And when he is with his wife and children in entertainment, he does it with the intention that for the sake of Allah. Entertainment with the wife as well for the sake of Allah. Rasulullah in Sahih Bukhari, the hadith, hadith Umm Zara'ah. One of the most beautiful hadiths. Well, I can't say most beautiful. They're all beautiful hadiths. Very beautiful hadith, Very interesting hadith. Where Rasulullah from the language perspective, it's very interesting. Uh, and there's like literally whole books and risalas just explaining this hadith. Where Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said that Aisha Siddiqah and he narrated to her the story of 11 women. And he says that, that 11 women gathered together. And the first one said, they said, let us describe our husbands. So the first one said, and she goes on a very long poetic description of how her husband is. Then the second one says, my husband is better. And then she describes her husband in a very rhyming, interesting manner. And the language is so profound and so much lugha and vocabulary there. Then the third one says, this is in Sahih Bukhari, the fourth one, fifth one, sixth one. Then Umm Zara, she describes her husband, how, grave, uh, how brave warrior he was and how, many, how, uh, how daring conquest he did and how kind he was to the wife and how he loved her and how loyal he was, etc. The hadith, Umm Zara. The eleventh one, that's the name of the whole hadith based off of her because she won the competition. Then they agreed that she, is, she has the best husband. And then Nabi asked Aisha Siddiqah, Oh Aisha, do you, am I not better for you than the husband of Umm Zara was for Abu Zara, Umm Zara? Then she said, Yeah, you are definitely better than the husband of Umm Zara. This is in Bukhari, it's a rigorously authenticated Sahih narration. So this falls under Man Ahabba Lillah, that this time of entertainment and love with the spouse is also for the sake of Allah. For the sake of Allah. Hatta luqmata tada'u fi fimra'atik. Even the morsel of food you place in the wife's mouth is sadaqah. But if your intention is pure, if your intention is that you want to fulfill your need with your wife, that's why you put in the luqma, then you will be no reward for that. 
There's absolutely no reward for putting a morsel of food with the other intention. If the intention is that this is an Amatullah, a slave girl of Allah, that was a daughter of some person, was entrusted in my care, and I will have to love her and cherish her for the sake of Allah, because she is a mu'mina, and it's my obligation to take care of my wife, per the deen and sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu With that intention, you place the morsel of food, then the morsel of food you place in the wife's mouth will become a reward, a sadaqah as well. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us tawfiq that all our actions are for the sake of Allah alone. Give us ikhlas in our actions and allow us to change our perspectives in our lives.